chapter 4 we have been talking about the three main mentions of the word in I am in the book of Galatians the first one is in Galatians chapter 1 where Paul says God was pleased to reveal his son in me and we talked about a revelation of Jesus Christ and how important that is to have we all have an initial revelation of him when we become Christians we become saved but that revelation is meant to be deepened and sometimes in the life of the Christian that revelation a revelation of Christ will hit us so hard it wipes everything else off the table and sets the compass of our life in a totally new direction and I think you heard or actually I know you heard an illustration of that this morning when Pete shared about a revelation of Jesus Christ that he had that changed his life and if you listen carefully to his story he was in a place of desperation God orchestrated his circumstances to put him in a very desperate place and he cried out to his Lord and he responded and his eyes were open to see to touch to encounter the love of God in Christ in a way he never had that was an example of a revelation of Jesus Christ God was pleased to reveal his son in me may the father reveal his son in us in ever deepening ways something else he said that that I really appreciated and it reminded me of something that has been helpful to me there's a place in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says that you know if a son asks his father for a stone the father's not going to give him a snake or something to that effect and then he says therefore you being evil being fallen human beings if you're going to give good things to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask to his own children and I remember there was a point in my life where I was doubting the love of God and, and I think this is normal for every Christian and the thought came to me think of the person on this planet think of the human being in your life who loves you the most and I want you to think about that question for yourself right now maybe it's your mother maybe it's a, a close friend that you've known for many years maybe it's a child maybe it's a spouse maybe it's a father but the person that loves you so much that you know you can go out and rob a bank be put in jail and that person will still love you will still be there for you will still care about you will even defend you 
And most of us have someone like that in our life. And so here's what I want to say. That person being evil, as it were, being a fallen human being, if they love you that much, sisters and brothers, saints of God, how much more does God, who is love, love you? And that helped me. Because that was a tangible example. Here's a human being who's fallen. And that's a pale echo of the love that God has for me in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that word he brought. I I thought it was awesome. Yesterday, we also talked about Galatians 2.20. That was the second N in Galatians. Big N, and that is not I. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we talked about what it means to live by an indwelling Lord. And we talked about how it could be very abstract and very theoretical. And we we gave some examples of what it looks like on the ground. Well, this brings us to the third in in Galatians, and that's Galatians 4.19. My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Christ being formed in you. Now, I find it very interesting that not only have we been given the privilege and the honor and the right by God to live by Christ, But as we learn to live by the indwelling life of Christ, as we are sensitive to those internal cues that the Lord gives us, as we submit to those spiritual instincts that are within us, uh, the DNA of which is love, the nature of which is love, treating others the way we want to be treated, then what happens is as we continue to yield to those things, Those attributes, those behaviors become habits. They become, as it were, second nature. And habits then become your character. And this is how Jesus Christ, His character, His personality is being formed in us. And there's a lot we can say about what spiritual formation is and how Christ is formed in us and the different aspects of it. But I want to look at it in two ways very briefly this afternoon to kind of give you an impression. The first way is to say this, that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation can be juiced down to a narrative under the heading from clay to precious stone. God creates human beings out of clay. He molds the clay from the earth and he creates man and woman in his image. Then he imparts his life into the clay. He breathes into the clay and then he puts a tree in the garden And that tree has his own life in it. I don't know if you realize this, but the tree in the garden was the life of God made dispensable and accessible 
And God's desire was for Adam and Eve to eat from the tree and the life of God would now be imparted into them. Well, Jesus Christ, when he came on the scene, after the garden was closed off to humans, he became the living, breathing tree of life. And hence he said, I am the vine and he who eats me, he who consumes me shall live by me. In other words, I am the tree of life and living color. Partake of me. Live by me. As you continue to read the biblical story, you then have the image of a stone. And there's this beautiful picture of Jacob. He grabs a stone. He's in the wilderness. He's on the run. And that's a dead stone. It's not living. It's not alive. He then pours oil on it. And he lays his head on it. And oil, of course, throughout the scripture is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. What happens when oil is poured on a stone, a dead stone, it becomes a living stone. And in Peter, we are called living stones that make up the house of God. And as you continue to read the saga of the biblical story, you come to the very end, and now these living stones have become precious stones that make up the house of a living God. And we're back to the garden. We have the tree of life and the flowing river and gold, pearl, and precious stone. The same elements we had in Genesis 1 and 2 in the garden. So clay gets transformed into stone, gets transformed into a living stone, gets transformed into a precious stone for the building of God's house. And that is the story of transformation in our life. And how is a precious stone made? Intense heat and incredible pressure over a long period of time. Behold, I show you a mystery. That is what transformation is. God will bring the cross into your life. God will bring suffering into your life. He will bring the heat. He will bring the pressure. And if we learn how to see the hand of God behind those things and submit to His hand and learn to lose and learn to touch that life of Christ in us that is seeking to gain more ground in us then saints we become transformed conformed into his image little by little that's how transformation works so think it not strange when you're going through it think it not strange when tough times crisis comes into your life this is the hand of God to turn clay into precious stone. And here's the second point I want to make about this, and this is kind of where I'm going to camp out. The Christian life is becoming what you already are. The Christian life is becoming what you all ready are I think that's worth repeating another time the Christian life is becoming what you already are one of the root problems we have as believers is we're eagles but we've been conditioned to think we're turkeys it's a case of mistaken identity 
It's a case of false identity. And I am impressed by the fact that when Paul wrote his letters to the churches, most of whom were in major crisis, I don't know if you realize this, but most of your New Testament is made up of letters, epistles, written by an apostle to a church, a community of believers, that's in major crisis. That's most of your New Testament. God's people are having major problems, and that provoked most of the letters that Paul wrote, as well as Peter and James, etc. If you look carefully at how Paul crafted his letters, there is a rhythm to it, and it's, it's genius, it's pure genius. What he does in the first part of the letter is he doesn't take dead aim at the problem. He instead reminds them of who they are. Because they obviously have forgotten. And he takes up a lot of time doing this. And after he reminds them who they are, he then says, because this is who you are, walk that way. Because you're an eagle, not a turkey, then now soar like an eagle. The Christian life is becoming what you already are. I'm going to give you a few examples of this. And I've sketched this out in, in one of my books called Revise Us Again, but I'll just give you some samples here. This is from Ephesians. Just listen to this. This is who you are. God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. You are holy and blameless in His sight. He predestined you to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. He has freely given you His grace. You are accepted in His beloved Son. In Him you have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He has lavished the riches of His grace upon you with all wisdom and understanding. In Christ you were chosen and predestined according to His eternal plan. You have been given an inheritance in Him. You were included in Christ. You were marked in Him with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit is a deposit given to you, guaranteeing your inheritance. You are God's possession. You used to be dead in your trespasses and sins. You used to follow the way of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of darkness. God has great love for you, who is rich in mercy. He made you alive in Christ, even when you were dead in your transgressions. You have been saved by grace. God raised you up with Christ, seated you with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to you. In Christ Jesus you have been saved by grace through faith it is not of yourselves it is the gift of God not by works lest any man should boast you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works you are now in Christ Jesus you were once far away but you have been brought near by the blood of Christ he is your peace through Christ you have access to the Father by one spirit you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God 
God's household. You are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. You are members of one body, the body of Jesus Christ. You are dearly loved children. Christ loved you and gave Himself up for you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You are God's holy people. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's who you are. And then, because that's true, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Because this is true, walk in humility and patience, bearing with one another in love. Because this is true, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because this is true, be imitators of God and live a life of love. Because this is true, put off from you sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting, but rather thanksgiving. Because this is true, do not be partakers of those who partake of these things. Because this is true, have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Because this is true, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, always giving thanks to God. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You are light, Paul says. You're not trying to become light. You're not working your way toward being light. You're not, I'm trying to get there to be light. No, you are light. Now, walk as children of light. See, we don't walk to victory. We walk from victory. The Christian life is becoming what you already are. Now... I'm going to end this message by speaking the truth to you in love. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. I want to read a passage here and perhaps throw some new light on it for you. I grew up in several denominations that really loved the passage that I'm going to read to you, which says, speak the truth in love to one another. And I was taught that that meant you got to start rebuking each other for all the things that's wrong with your brothers and sisters. I'm speaking the truth in love to you, brother. Now let me tell you what you're doing wrong. It's scriptural. Speak the truth in love. Well, I don't think that's what Paul was talking about in that passage. Ephesians 4. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's all in context, but I'm just going to pick it up. In verse 14, as a result, Ephesians 4.14, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceiving scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And let me just hit pause here. The easiest thing to forget 
as a Christian is your identity. You will hear it this weekend, but once you leave this building and you go home, you'll probably hold it in your mind for a couple days, and then you're going to forget who you are. And remember I talked about the fact that God has designed us to live corporately and we need one another. And the revelation of Jesus Christ is not just Christ the head, but Christ the body. And to walk in the fullness of Christ, we need to be connected with the body. Well, one of the functions of the body of Christ is to remind us, to remind one another who we are. And this is what Paul is saying here when he talks about speaking the truth in love and the body. Let's continue. Verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. Because you're not a Gentile in that sense. In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have, becoming callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not so learn Jesus Christ this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, what you used to be, you lay aside the old self, which is corrupt, Verse 23, and you be renewed in your mind, renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do you get renewed in the spirit of your mind? By understanding and repeating and laying hold of who you really are. And put on the new self, that's who you are, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness Holiness and truth. Saints, who you really are, your new self, is created in righteousness, holiness, in truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood. What's falsehood? It's who I used to be. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each other. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So brothers and sisters, speaking the truth in love means speaking the truth of who we are in Christ, what our new self is, that we are not the old self which has died, has been buried. Speaking the truth in love is to remind one another of the truth of who we are in Christ. Because that is our identity. And becoming a Christian is about having a new self, a new identity, a new reality, and the Christian life is becoming what you already are. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to speak the truth in love to you. I did just a minute ago when I read from Ephesians, but... I have put together a list of scriptures all from the New Testament telling us who we are. And I want to remind you that I'm not reading out of the J.C. Penney catalog. I'm reading from the New Testament. I'm reading from the Word of God. I'm not going to read to you the verses because I think that will just clutter up what I'm trying to do here. But I'm going to ask you to participate. There is a uh, 
a little reference in the book of First Corinthians. I think it's in chapter 14. And Paul is talking about their meetings, the way the early Christians met in Corinth. And what he says there is he says, if someone speaks in an unknown tongue in the meeting, the rest of the body is not going to be able to say amen because they don't understand what you're saying. Now that statement gives us a little window into the early church meetings. And what we learn is this, that when someone spoke in the early church gatherings, the rest of the saints didn't just sit there like pillars of salt. They opened their mouths and they said, Amen, which means yes. Yes, amen. True. This is true. So shall it be. So, you may be tempted to give me the thousand yard stare as I share these things with you. I don't want you to go into a Baptist coma. I, I want you to become a little bit Pentecostal. Not in an obnoxious way. If I say something that resonates in your inner person, your inner man, your inner woman, your spirit, to stir, open your mouth. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Amen. I'm not asking you to do anything mechanical here. I'm asking you to get in touch with your spiritual instincts and don't be afraid to open your mouth. Remember I talked to you about the connection between your heart and your mouth and if you don't speak what you hear that doesn't stay with you it doesn't become yours well it's the same way when you hear a message you can interact with it by giving praise to your Lord Jesus Christ one of his names is the Amen so when you say Amen you're uttering his name that's in Revelation so again let's be sober about this I'm, I'm not asking you to do anything that's uncomfortable but if something strikes fire in you and you you resonate just thank the Lord receive it because I am speaking the truth in love to you this is an exercise whereby I'm doing something with the New Testament exhorts us to do speak truth to your neighbor so I'm gonna go through these declarations one by one and I would even ask that you close your eyes and at the risk of falling asleep, uh, just kind of tune out the visual and just listen to the words. I assure you, these are all straight from the New Testament, okay? All right, here we go. You are now God's offspring. You have been born of the incorruptible seed of God's Word. You are loved by Christ. You have been forgiven of all your sins. You have been justified from all things. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are free from all condemnation. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are the temple of the living God. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. You are accepted in Christ, for He is the Beloved. You have been reconciled to God. 
You are the beloved of the Father. You are a saint, a holy one. You have been made holy and without blame before Him. You have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You are called by God. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have been made one spirit with your Lord. You have been made complete in Christ. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are dead to sin. You have been raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly realms. You are a king and a priest unto God. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are a branch of the true vine. You have been born of God. You have been adopted as God's child. You are fit to partake of His inheritance. You are more than a conqueror through Him who loved you. You have been healed by the wounds of Jesus. You are kept by God's power. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have everlasting life. You have been crucified with Christ. You have been raised again with Christ. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have been given peace with God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have all your needs met by God according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You have overcome the world. You are fellow citizens with the saints. You are free in Christ. You always triumph in Christ. You are in Jesus Christ's hands and no one can pluck you out of them. You are holy without blemish and free from accusation in His sight. Jesus Christ lives in you. You cannot be separated from God's love. You are citizens of heaven. You are anointed by God. You are bone of His bone, kin to divinity. He is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. You are members of His very body. That is who you are. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord praise. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're an eagle, not a turkey. Remind one another of who you are. You know, I, I have a practice with the churches I work with and something we instill into the very DNA. 
and that is to call each other holy ones. And sometimes, you know, during the week, a brother will call a, another brother on the phone. How you doing, holy one? I just want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through, but I just want to encourage you that you're holy and blameless in his sight. And boy, that's powerful. Sometimes you're going through it. I mean, you know, we live in this world. Our feet get dirty from walking in it. But to hear a word like that is washing one another's feet. Having a touch of heaven given to us by another saint. And I am just amazed that when Paul of Tarsus writes to one of the churches that is pulling stunt after stunt after stunt, the Corinthians, he starts out his letter to the Holy Ones in Corinth. And he continually reminds them, you are God's temple. You are members of his body. You are one spirit with the Lord. He keeps reminding them of who they are. And then he says, because this is who you are, act like it. Sisters and brothers, the Christian life is becoming what you already are. Amen. So remind one another and walk in it. And don't forget it. And when the accuser of the brethren comes to accuse you in your mind, you tell him who you are. And as one man said, I heard many years ago, he says, if Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> All right, now here's what we're going to do. Another day, another dollar, another wall, another towel went up where the homeless had their homes. So we prayed with many different gods as there are flowers, but we call religion on Get to